Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Lorelai weissel I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. We got a full house today to talk about our topic, which is the video game Magic Legends, uh, which we will get into in just a second. But uh, for those of you who are somehow not aware, Strixhaven previews are ongoing. Uh, the first Strixhaven story is out, uh, potentially more than one story. We record on Thursday. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm not sure if there was one last Friday or not. We will talk about those in the future. We're not going to talk about those today, but if for some reason you listened to our podcast and didn't know what was going on, it's preview time. So let's talk about Magic Legends. Magic Legends is the first well, Magic... Oh, good. Before before you get into it, I think it's fair to say that even though Strixhaven previews are ongoing and we're not going to get to those yet, I mean, Magic Legends just entered open beta, which is basically a preview. So we're, we're still covering a preview season here. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So yeah, Magic Legends is now in open beta. Uh, if you were in one of the previous closed alphas, uh, I would hop back in and give it another try at the very least. But yeah, let's let's talk about what Magic Legend is. So, at the very front, it is a free-to-play action RPG. Uh, the the best description for it is it's a a Diablo alike, a Diablo clone, if you want to use that that term. It's not really a Diablo clone, but it's the same kind of isometric RPG that like Torchlight and Diablo operate in. Uh, it is the first non-card game version of Magic, or at the very least, the first game, like, in this vein since, I think, like, Battle Mage. I mean, we had Magic Tactics, which was a... Tactics, uh, Which was a something. <laughs> it was a something. Um, service support for that closed after, like, a year, so... Uh, you're also forgetting Magic uh, 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 Puzzle Quest? That That's no. a uh, Magic game that doesn't use cards. <laughs> There's, there's I mean, been a kinda. lot of non-card expressions, and they're as memorable as we're making them out to see. <laughs> Is Spell Strike still a thing? Was that a card game? <laughs> I I think so. Jay's point is that this is a non-mobile because he wants to discriminate discriminate against mobile gamers here. But it is it is Whoa. the first <laughs> it is the first big PC game for Magic that is not a card game in a while. Yeah. And, and just for that alone, the experience is very novel, and I think um, at, at, wor- at least worth giving a shot, even if you're not typically into these kinds of games, if you are into magic. But we'll talk more about that in, in a little bit. So, well, okay. I I can I can cite you on that. It's, like, it's free to play. If you don't like it, you can literally just quit and uninstall at any time. And you've lost uh, it nothing costs, but time. It costs you nothing to try it out. Except for time. Sure. <laughs> but like you don't have to put a lot of time into it if you don't want to and that is uh convenient i think for trying things out yes and we'll we'll talk about how 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 much legs you have in the game uh how how how, how powerful you can be in the game if you don't spend any money generally you have two legs i don't think they have any non-humanoid options oh sweet jesus i'm never gonna get through this section. <laughs> seriously <laughs> So, uh, basically, you start out the game by picking one of five Planeswalker classes. 
customizing your character. Uh, each class has its own basic attack and then a few special attacks that come alongside it. Uh, but the core gameplay mechanic are the spells that you can cast. So you get a rotating selection of spells to kind of simulate your card deck that are that are randomized as you go through uh, that you then spend mana to be able to cast it. So like a very powerful ability costs a lot more mana. You'll only be able to do it once uh, and then you'll have to start fighting and earn some mana back before you can do more attacks. Hey, wait, hey, wait, wait a sec. I thought you said this wasn't a card game. It simulates the card game experience, but it isn't really, like, trading cards or anything. Uh, it's but sort anyway. of card game. So, I think the best way I can explain it, um, if you've, anyone has played uh, One Step from Eden, or, um, uh, why am I blanking, uh, Slay the Spire, where they are these smaller roguelike games that have small decks that you kind of cycle through, um, it's more similar to that than playing, like, a game of Magic, uh, so... This is a space that some other games have played around in, and it's cool to see magic exist in, in a similar kind of mechanical space here. Yeah, um, but we are not a mechanical video game podcast, so <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the lore of Magic Legends, which is why we're really here to talk about it. Uh, so just from the start, let me preface this all by saying your player character is not going to be canon to the TCG continuity. Uh, so there's already going to be a little bit of fuzziness here <laughs> with continuity right off the bat. We know that from previous games where you are the planeswalker, you are the person who uh, you create your own character that isn't going to ever show up anywhere else in the game. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, you start off, I guess, with your first planeswalk, uh, showing up in, a, in the meditation realm before War of the Spark uh, with Ral Zarek fighting a mysterious planeswalker. And that kicks off the plot. So Ral is kind of your introductory character here. Uh, he introduces you to what a planeswalker is. Um, you you battle this mysterious planeswalker stuff with him as he explains the controls and what the he, spells he's are. He's your tutorial to guide. Yeah, basically. Uh, I, I appreciate his writing. I thought it was spot on for Ral. Very, very good and quippy and enjoyed it. Ral was a lot of fun. I do, I do gotta say, though, if you're, like a mage and you have your first planeswalk having your first planeswalk be to the literal secret hideout of the most villainous devious mastermind the multiverse has ever known i think is very funny and tragic <laughs> <laughs> and I, I i just i just appreciate that what basically tezzeret levels of bad luck yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> to have your very first planeswalk be like that so the the other thing about this meditation realm is it's got a the art style has a very Hindu temple feel. It's it's very Indian architecture inspired, uh, down to there being like basically a Ganesh statue, basically a Hanuman statue, uh, several statues that imitate Indian iconography. Uh, I'm not really sure how I feel about that, but that's not a that I'm I'm not the person who's going to be delivering an in-depth criticism of that stuff. I uh, I do want to say there's also a statue of Ugin, not Nicol Bolas. That is a statue of Ugin. 
the Ugin statue is cool, and I like the idea that this was like Ugin's old section of the realm. Yeah, I think of it as like a place Bolas hasn't quite got to redecorating yet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the the game then takes you to Tazim on Zendikar. Uh, some of the characters you'll interact with are like Nissa, Noyandar, Thada Adele, as, lo- as well as some new Tazim elves uh, that we haven't met in fiction before. I, I was really surprised at the Thada Adele name drop. She was in, was she in Worldwake or OG Zendikar? She was in, she was in, gosh, I don't remember which set it was, but she's never actually appeared in a story. She's just mentioned as being the rival of Noyan Dar in the Zendikar art book. So actually, that leads me to a very good point. If you enjoyed, like, the Origins era art books written by James Wyatt, it seems like a lot of ideas for these settings were pulled from those books um, or from the that that kind of depth of lore, which was which is neat as we go through it, because the the whole Thada Adele and Noyandar rivalry uh, is is not like a, it, it's a deep cut. <laughs> it's not something that's like even in the stories. Uh, the the basic plot on Tazim, I'm not going to go over the whole plot, but the basic plot is uh, you fought, Relzarek asks you to follow that mysterious planeswalker. You end up on Zendikar. The mysterious planeswalker is up to something with stolen is it technology, um, and you are there to put a stop to whatever she's up to. Uh, so there, you get into this whole plot line involving the royal, uh, which was a little bit confusing because it was there was talk about starting the royal again and i'm not really aware of a time when the royal stopped this takes place they say sometime between the mending and um before hour of devastation on amon ket realistically by the characters who are there this takes place in like a much smaller window than that maybe within the the few years before hour of devastation but yeah, I was I was I was intrigued by that. That was a little bit of a deviation, but um, it was a it was an, a good way to introduce you to what Zendikar is. I was gonna say one one cool thing about Zendikar is there's also like this consistent uh, part where like the ground will grab you, like the the essentially I feel like the royal is happening there as you're walking through because sometimes like a little red circle will appear in like an area underneath you, and if you don't move. Like it shakes and vines grab you and hurt you, and that's is just, that yeah. what that is? Yeah, I was confused by that as well. I I I knew I was so annoyed by that. I'm like, what enemy is casting this spell on me? I did not understand. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Someone clearly wasn't paying attention to all of the text in the game because that was they were mentioning like the first time it happens is when they're talking about the royal and. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm playing with a five year old on my lap, so so no, I was not paying. <laughs> well, there's your problem right there. You got to get rid of the five year old. I was clicking through the dialogue and then very upset that my soldier was getting trapped with those red boxes. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what I will say is Zendikar was a lot of fun to move through and move across the giant branches that we've seen in the art. So this is a, a the the 
what's the name of the Tazim forest? I don't remember off the top of my head. The um, the Vastwood. The Vastwood, yeah. So you start off in the Vastwood, and then you go down to like the banks of the Halimar uh, throughout this part. And I thought that was that was interesting. Uh, Chris, I think you had also said like it was a lot of fun, kind of descending uh, th- through the Zendikar like that. I think it's just really cool that it feels like there's a lot of different biomes. It definitely feels like a a Zendikar representation because there's like, you know, the trees and the stone and the down by the water. And it feels very, um, just feels very much like Zendikar. So once you're done on Zendikar, you travel to uh, Raul Zarek takes a trip with you to your own personal meditation realm you got this own little sliver of meditation realm where i'm sure nothing will go wrong ever uh in the meditation realm for you hanging out there as a newbie planeswalker (laughs) but you've got this the small slice of the realm there there's not much to say about it it's the same art direction as the tutorial area so you should be familiar with it by now uh and then you get taken to sanctum on dominaria where Ral Zarek informs you, Joda, noted lover of planeswalkers, <laughs> created a haven for planeswalkers on Dominaria. Uh... <laughs> I, I, I'd like to think that Joda just built this place so planeswalkers wouldn't go elsewhere on the plane. That is my favorite headcanon, too, is that Joda created, like, a planeswalker quarantine. <laughs> yep. With, there's, like, a lot of, they mentioned there's a lot of Thran metal around, so hopefully they can't destroy too much by hanging out here. Uh, I just, I thought it was, I thought that was interesting. I, I like the headcanon for it a lot, that this is basically a planeswalker quarantine zone. <laughs> Um, but this is also like, uh, this is kind of just like a social hub. This is where the in-game exchange is where you can list items for sale and buy items instead uh, of just doing this on ravnica you know yeah yeah well i so I sh- we should note ravnica isn't actually in the game yet so i assume that's going to be a future update we'll talk about that a little later uh but i'm i'm guessing because they with the the locations they had uh they ended up placing this on dominaria despite the rouser connection so we have two, three other locations on Dominaria. You can explore Benalia, Talaria West, and Shiv. Uh, these are, I actually really enjoyed these locations um, in terms of like, there's some deep cuts inside them, but let's talk about Benalia first. So Benalia, you arrive in Capuchin territory. Uh, you get to meet Danatha and Rath. Uh, and I believe Lyra Dawnbringer is there as well. And you are up against the Cabal in this <gasps> location. Not the Cabal. Oh my goodness. So Whisper is up to nefarious things in this area. Um, and I believe there's also some of some mention of Josu Vess, because this is the the same general area that he has uh, territory in in the Dominaria story. They've talked about Josu in the marketing, so I expect him to show up. There's a there's an in-game item that is his helm. Oh, uh, nice! I have not <laughs> I have not found it. It is a mythic item, uh, so I probably won't find it for a very long time. But it, it is there in the, the game. <clears throat> so the the general story beats in this area are stopping the Cabal's plot, but you get to fight alongside a lot of Benalian soldiers, 
uh, angels against the cabal forces. So if that was something you were interested in, nope. uh, this is going to be a location for you. Well, the beauty of it is you don't have to go here. There are lots of other cool places for you to explore. Uh, Talaria West takes you to the uh, Spice Islands on Dominaria to the one of the Talarian Academies where you get to meet Joda and stop the Society of Mishra, which are the uh, kind of cyborg Phyrexian wannabes uh, that follow that Rona is a member of. And also there are Homerids. Yeah, making me fight Homerids is worse than making me fight alongside Banalians. Can you summon Homerids? You can learn to summon the Homerids. Yeah, I, I believe a Homerid warrior is a summon, which is exciting. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, I recall someone on the dev team recently said in an interview that the team really enjoyed the Homerids. Yeah, there are there are dozens of us, dozens. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have Shiv. So Shiv immediately starts off by introducing you to Squee. Squee is amusing here. Uh, he does not quite have the same speech mannerisms from like the invasion block and stuff, but it doesn't matter. He's a, he's a silly goblin dude uh, who, who just wants to help and is a good boy and keeps getting destroyed and resurrecting himself uh, throughout the story. Uh, Shiv is, you know, it's a kind of volcanic-y environment. You're introduced to a new quote-unquote city called Ankum. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you described Shiv as kind of a volcanic environment. Shiv is a massive volcanic island, Jay. <laughs> yeah, Volcano well, is literally its one thing. <laughs> I'm That's describing it. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, you also meet characters like uh, Adelies uh, and Daragaz throughout the Shiv story. Uh, this is my favorite one because this is where you get goblin summons and the dragon summon. And you can, uh, this one is, pits you against the Banalians. You have to stop House Denise, which is one of the seven major houses of, uh, of Banalia, uh, who run a colony on Shiv. You have to stop them from whatever they're plotting. They basically don't like the, the chaotic nature of Shiv and Shiv's government and thinks that they should bring Benalia's peace to the land, which, you know, is standard colonizer. Yeah, it's it's not it's not great. You you get to beat them up. It's, it's well, nice. so this sounds like the place to go because you get to kill Benalia. Uh, you also, there's also the mana rig around there. So a lot of this takes place around the mana rig and you may even get to go inside. Ooh, maybe they'll explain how the mana rig got fixed and they could create a little spark rock for Teferi to eat. So the next location <laughs> in the game is, uh, well, the last location in the game is Gavany on Innistrad. Or the last current location, I should say. Based on this, I I assume they're gonna be they're gonna have more locations added. Uh, this seems like a live service oh, style I mean, game. Th they have talked about that in Ravnica, so yes. So the the main draw on Gavany is uh, Gisa and Geralt are there. Uh, which, you know, lots of people love those characters. So this is kind of in a time frame where they are still in Gavany having their little sibling spats. 
Um, so you get <laughs> you get to be kind of in the middle of that. But the main plot follows this uh, mysterious witch lady here called uh, Nani Ula? Yeah. Is that how you say it? Ula? Okay. She's like a bog witch. It's very like... It looks very different from Innistrad's normal, like, witchy look. She's got, like, tree and plant stuff growing off her. And she's got, like, this new apprentice who's, like, in love with her. It, she's very cool. Um, a bog witch. Like, B-O-G witch. Not bug witch. I need to be clear. I have to <laughs> distinguish here. <laughs> there are lots of bugs on Innistrad, though. There's, like, a whole bunch of spiders and stuff. Uh, this is where I'm at in the game right now. And it's very cool. They've, like, got this little town called Hexenrast, which is, like, the social hub, and there's a bunch of werewolves that were the villagers of this place called Kruseborg that, like, took some sort of weird pact and got turned into werewolves, and you gotta kill them. Because Nani Ula needs souls, but she hasn't really told you why she needs them yet. I haven't gotten <laughs> that far. I'm just doing whatever she says. <laughs> Seems legit. Definitely doesn't seem evil at all, but she wants souls for some reason, and I'm just getting them for her because I'm a good adventurer. I want give souls one someday. Sorry, World of Warcraft reference. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, these locations, I think uh, five locations, five major locations, they vary in in terms of how interesting they are, and especially on what what you are interested in 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 magic. I think. Uh, so for some of you, you know, Innistrad is going to be the place you want to go and hang out. It's definitely got the more classic Diablo vibe there. You know, things <laughs> uh, things look like hell, uh, for lack of a better term. And me. I really liked Shiv. I have not had a chance to play Talaria West yet, but I want to go there as well because I want to meet Joda and Squee. Um, and not, not, not the character Squee. I want to Squee about meeting Joda. Uh <laughs> i'm sorry that was terrible <laughs> yeah it was just awful <laughs> but there are what what i like about it is they are very diverse environments um for the most part you know especially for a free-to-play isometric rpg they look really good um you know they are they are fun to to wander around now that we've kind of talked about the the bare bones of you know what the what the plot beats are for each of these areas what characters you might meet in each of these areas let's talk a little bit more about what we liked about this game uh i know i i liked the art direction for these planes how they interpreted these planes to make it work for an isometric rpg uh, I think it looks really pretty for a free-to-play RPG that I can play on my crummy computer and only have it be a little bit choppy or play on my the really nice computer I bought for my wife and have it look, you know, go- pretty gorgeous. But what about the rest of you? What did you think? After playing World of Warcraft for a very long time and quitting for a very long time and getting back in and then quitting again, I, I like the fact that it actively steers you away from a boring playstyle of constantly play pressing the same button over and over again and getting the same exact result over and over again like you know with world of warcraft things can change with crits and whatnot but other than that it's like you're pretty much doing the same thing over and over again this game the 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 card system makes it a little bit more dynamic where you have to think a little bit out of the box compared to that game so it's it's novel um so i i enjoyed it at least for 
up to this point, you know, I don't know how I would feel after months of playing it or whatnot. But, you know, it, it seems like it's a very novel idea and it's a very different way of doing things. And I, I, I enjoy that difference. I think that's like my take on it, having played a good bit of Diablo in my life um, and watched people play Path of Exile because I haven't played it because it looks boring to me. Because I don't like just having a rotation of like the same abilities you use over and over again. It's um, it's part of the reason why I get really bored with like World of Warcraft. Uh, rotations are boring and I don't like them. And I like that this game adds that sort of randomness to it. And it also means that like every time you fight, you kind of have to like think like, I don't want to cast this spell in this fight. So I'm just going to have to use it immediately, get rid of it and draw a new one. Yep. Um, which is a like... Some people will find, like, frustrating, but also I find it, like, part of the fun of the game is that, like, sometimes that's a really good spell, and sometimes you're literally just like, throw this away, I don't want to use it. I need something better. So, f- specific example, um, there's a fight on Zendikar with um, a Merfolk mini-boss thing, and uh, if you use one of your summon spells to summon a creature to help fight with you, um, the Merfolk can take control of it and mind control it to, against you. So you you want to stay away from your summon spells and use your direct damage spells and your um, core Planeswalker abilities, your core fight abilities that are not spells. Core um, C-O-R-E, not K-O-R. Yeah, yeah. You're, uh, so far, uh, all the five uh, things are human. Um, you can only play as a human right now in one of the five classes. Something like that kind of encounter was neat. You know, there are situations where having an area of effect around you is good, where being able to... Um, so the the Geomancer has... Uh, this is the red one. Um, has a spell that is like a little cone of flame forward, but also pushes you back. Uh, the Geomancer's... Um, core combat abilities are all punches so it's a very get in your face character but you can take a lot of damage that way so having a spell that can like quickly get you out of there is part of like a tactical movement thing and it's and it's neat uh i think um a lot of the spells are based on actual cards and magic which is neat you know the the enemies you fight are magic enemies and creatures so there's there's a lot of familiarity here um, you know, uh, one of the things that Jay mentioned about the Zendikar landscape, walking around the Zendikar landscape is like walking around some of the pieces of art that are on like the Fular basics. Um, it just feels like you exist in Zendikar. And I think that's f- good. Matching that feeling is good. That goes a long way into getting the magic audience into your game, who are going to be the primary people um, that you want to get into the game. Yeah, I think I, what I liked most about this game like, the tutorial for as long as it is, is very clear-cut within the meditation realm space. Um, probably could be kind of shortened there, but at the same time, like, it gets you very, very familiar with your abilities relatively quickly and kind of gets you knowledgeable on the base game systems. The issue is, like, I'm two or three hours into the game and haven't uh, touched it again since yesterday, but... I know that there are deeper game systems that exist. I know that you're supposed to be assembling a deck and you're supposed to care about the power level of these cards and obviously be trying to optimize um, or be able to customize further. I don't really have access to that yet because I just haven't completed like the full tutorial space. But for the most part, like the actual core gameplay of it 
like it familiarizes you very quickly. Um, I there aren't many very there aren't many expressions of magic where they have to brief you very quickly on planeswalkers. Like comics, kind of do it very quickly. I guess introductory novels kind of uh, give you like the core concept of planeswalking very quickly. But this one just kind of like throws it in your face, like okay, you're a planeswalker, like, you're going to be going to different worlds, and then it takes advantage of that pretty immediately. So, I do enjoy that. So let's talk a bit, little bit about what we didn't like. So, uh, for my part, like, the initial tutorial is fairly short, but then, like, the rest of Zendikar feels like an extended tutorial. Because, because yeah, because you're getting all, all the is. rest of your starter spells... You're getting, you're slowly leveling up and getting your kind of core abilities, your planeswalker ability, getting all four spell slots that you can summon at any given time. The initial tutorial, the initial tutorial is literally just the basics of combat and gameplay. I'm still in the Zendikar part. I've been playing yes. for hours and I'm still in what is essentially an on rails tutorial um, teaching me about fast traveling and there's a whole other section about teaching me about, like, interacting with elements in the field. And there's a whole different section talking about interacting with, like, the little mission things so that you can go on with two other people. And, like, it's very drawn out and I'm very bored of it. <laughs> I just want to be able to go do what I want. Um, it feels like a prison. I I vibe with Obnixilis now <laughs> in a way I never did before. <laughs> Because I'm trapped on Zendikar and I can't go anywhere. Like, I saw all these people talking about how there's Homerids on on Dominaria. And I'm just like, what the hell? I want to go see Homerids, but I can't because I'm... Like, I thought I was going to get through it this morning. And I played for, like, another hour. And I'm still not out of it. I just want to be out of it already. Yeah, so each... The story structure of each plane is, like, this three-act uh, block, basically, of stories. And... You have to do all of Zendikar's before you can go anywhere else. But then once you do that, I think you can hop around between them as you get bored of one area or if you just don't find one area particularly interesting. So, and as a planeswalker, the, I mean, I know it took Wizards of the Coast like 10 years to discover that as a planeswalker, you should probably be moving between planes. <laughs> but I think, I think a lot of people are going to stumble on four hours on Zendikar before they can, you know, hop between the other worlds they might want to see. That was, like, the core of Day Nine's argument for why he was rating the game so poorly, is, like, if you tell him to get into a book series, this is a quick summary of what he said, if you tell him to get into a book series, and then he reads book one, and he's like, well, it's awful, and then he's like, reads book two, and it's awful, and then you're telling him, like, oh, no, but the story actually really picks up in book eight of 20 like at 8 through 20 are excellent it doesn't matter because nobody's going to suffer through books one through seven just to get to the good part and i think that's kind of the core stumbling block for this um is that there is a lot of interesting content and at least two of the people on this podcast have not gotten to the the interesting content that they wanted to get to specifically because they're stuck on zendikar not doing fetch quests, but doing very linear quests that um, don't exactly, like, you're not going to get magically better at the game by doing four hours on Zendikar gameplay. Like, you should just be able to be a little freer more soon, or quicker. 
so far, all I've done on Zendikar is walk around, talk to people, fight enemies repeatedly for hours. Yeah. Slowly trickling out what the game is about. Like, I only just unlocked the ability to, like, pick up Planeswalker customization items. Like, like visual, like, clothing options. And you can't even change it till you get to the tailor. <laughs> well, the tailor's right there. We yeah, there's a like... tailor in Zendikar. Oh, is there a tailor on Zendikar? I couldn't yeah. find it. Okay. <laughs> Whoops. They they tell you that there's actually a thing that pops up and says there's a tailor on Listen, every major. Listen, I've been thing. playing with a five year old. Leave me I, alone. Okay. okay. That 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 leads into my one of my issues is that the uh, warnings for the the, the tutorial uh, <laughs> relies on the player actually reading all of the text, and there are a lot of players. I was watching a streamer stream this. I want to say Wednesday and no, it was Tuesday and. Like, justifiably, he was reading chat, so there were times where he would click through some of the conversations that was going on during this tutorial on Syndicar, and he would miss some key thing about the environment he was about to walk into, so he had no clue about the, the, the royal on, that would grab you on the ground with the vines like Jay did earlier, or the poisoned, or the, not poisoned, I think it was enchanted water. Enchanted water, yeah. That, that, uh, hurts you during the Noyandar fight. Like, he was just standing in the water, and he was taking damage. He's like, why am I getting hurt by standing in this water? And, like, they say it in the text, and if you're not paying explicit attention to this text, and there are a lot of people who do not pay attention to every single bit of dialogue, you are very easily going to miss a lot of things if you do not pay very close attention. And they don't even point out, like, a lot of the time in games, like, like, in most games, like, they'll highlight certain things or they'll point things out and they'll make it a little bit explicit or they'll bold the part that, that's important or they'll make it a different color even. So it's very easy to miss key points of things about the environment. I know there are a lot of people who had no idea how to fast travel because it wasn't, it was something that they missed in the trap, in the, in the chat. The, yeah, and fast travel, what it doesn't tell you is, the fast travel points for respawn points in missions uh, automatically unlock, but if you aren't paying it, you have to actually click, go to them and click them. You can't just walk by them in uh, the overworld maps. And so that, that can be a little confusing too. But to the Enchanted Water, yeah, there's a whole boss that you'll just get completely wrecked if you don't know that the water is basically lava. Feel It feels like the kind of thing the game could remind you about a little. There's a lot of text in the game and not just like story text and like things like that. But like, I don't know what potency is and it's on all of the items. Um, (laughs) I don't know what the difference between like a sorcery, like it's on the card, but like, I don't generally know if like sorcery is just anything that's not a creature, but there's also enchantments actually now that I think about it. So it's like something will give you like blue sorcery potency. And I'm like, I don't know what potency is. I don't know what a sorcery is. I think I know what blue is. (laughs) <laughs> and there and like i remember uh having experience a little bit of an alpha like i felt like those concepts were explained a lot more directly and earlier in the tutorial um and i just got none of it in this one and i i'm just still not getting a lot of it like i really don't know what's going on and like mechanically at all <laughs> so it's like i get gear and i'm like I, I guess this is probably good it gives me plus 13 health potency chance 15 percent summon a one one Whatever that means. Sounds good to me. I'll take it. Like, coming from a game, like, I play Destiny 2 very frequently. It has a relatively complex armor system and a relatively complex um, buff and debuff system. 
I have no idea what any of it means, but I know I can go online and find resources for it and like pretty immediately figure out how I can optimize my armor set or which armor is good and which should be tossed and which I should never equip. But like for a game that's obviously an open beta, like you do not have those resources available because they have not been developed yet by the community. And also like you should be hand-holding the players through those basic steps, like what makes armor good? What are you going to be looking for in um, items that you're collecting, etc.? I think we, we've talked a lot about like what, what we didn't like there, but I, I think the game can definitely be interesting as you move on. I think the Zendikar bit has, you know, it, it hurt, definitely hurt this episode because, again, two of our castmates weren't able to get through it before we even started. But I, I, we'll, we'll talk about whether or not we actually recommend the game at the end of this. So we, we want to know, um, where is this plot going? For me, it's fun because this is not a story I worked on. So I have no idea who <laughs> these characters are. We, it, uh, it's a good feeling. We, you know, there's this redheaded mystery character, and then there's another character in the trailer I haven't seen in the game at all. I don't know who either of these people are. I don't know what they're up to. I want to fight them. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to be able to fight them and stop them. It's clear there's a lot more updates here uh, to keep the game going once you've completed the initial story. Yeah, uh, you, it's something you can come back to. So and the, like they very specifically stated that there ha- are plans for Ravnica, and you know, I've heard Magic has at least seventy five different planes <laughs> in the multiverse. Um, so they really shouldn't ever run out of content. Uh, <laughs> but like a, a game like this, and part of Magic's success is that it creates new things that to adapt to its existing market. Market shit. What my brain market is not at all the word I. I to go to uh canon i guess is the word i'll settle on magic is always expanding a game like this can always expand if the game has legs we'll see uh if it does this game can expand basically indefinitely which is a good place to be uh for a game like this and uh i i i think that's that's a benefit uh to to being linked to the magic ip yeah i definitely want to see more cross-promotion. Like, I know cross-promotion is kind of, like, basic fundamental of anything that's interacting with Magic, but, like, comics sell when they have Magic cards in them. If you get through a story campaign, I want whatever Planeswalker exists at the end of that campaign to be not necessarily canon one-for-one in the Magic um, Prime story, but if there was a Planeswalker card that existed for that character in some future product where they had a throwaway Planeswalker slot, that would be awesome, because then it would just kind of tie everything in closer together. It doesn't need to be perfectly fitting together, but at the same time, like, the more continuity you have between those things, the, uh, and not strictly continuity, I mean, like, actual gameplay continuity, like, you are experiencing something in Magic Legends, and then you know that there are cards for it that exist in Magic the Gathering, the more connections you have between those two things, the more it feels like an integrated Magic product rather than something that just exists on the side and may or may not survive. 
Secret Lair Magic Legends yeah. might be cool. It's like yeah, they have the perfect outlet for these. <laughs> and like I know Destiny again, once again, I'll go back to favorite game. They have products that you can only get codes to purchase if you complete an in-game activity. So if you complete a raid, then you can get a raid jacket. If you complete the campaign in this game and you are able to get a code for a secret lair, like this is a free-to-play game. There should be like that should be a pretty easy path. Hopefully they cut down the tutorial before then so that more people have access to it. But like it's possible. That's what I'm saying. So the the last thing I want to mention here is the free-to-play aspect. If you are just playing to experience the story, it is definitely 100% you do not have to spend a dime on this game. If you want to get more competitive in this game, if you really end up enjoying it, I can't answer that question because obviously none of us have reached that point. Uh, But the game itself has uh, difficulty levels for the various missions. And if if you're just looking to experience the missions and the stories that it has to offer you can go through on the basic difficulty level uh be able to get through everything with with enough challenge but not too terribly hard uh and not not have to spend a dime you don't have to pay to win in order to get through it that way so animated well or not i was gonna mention this in the podcast because i'm i'm in a weird spot professionally but as a game dev and a person who generally wants people to have access to games and enjoy games. I hate open betas. You're just putting an unfinished product in front of people, and I I don't understand the risk of this is... If it's bad, you just kill your game before it's even finished. Yes. Magic Legends is doing a thing that I hate open betas doing, which is taking your money if you want to give it to them. Uh, You can spend real dollars or whatever your currencies are. I don't know what's supported right now. You can spend real money on Magic Legends right now, and it's an open beta. You're spending money on an unfinished game. Games industry has a lot of ethical problems. This is one of them. I don't like that. But like Jay said, I I, I don't see any incentive to putting money into it. Um, you know, I've recently got into playing Apex Legends, which is also free to play. Um, there are very few things um other than like the battle pass which you can earn all your money back on anyway just by playing like at a reasonable level like yeah i will say i i uh i have spent a lot of money on cosmetics and league of legends uh <laughs> which is a free-to-play game that i've i've spent a lot of money on cosmetics let's just put it that way <laughs> and um so have i and i haven't played in years and i i think that like the reason why i do that is because i like playing the game and so if I like playing a game, I'll spend a lot of money on the cosmetics right. for it. Uh, yes. I don't see myself spending money right now. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. This is going to make me sound like a capitalist. Uh, <laughs> 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 games costing money. Like, I understand the corporate reality that the games exist in. Like, that that just exists. Like, that's going to exist with corporate, with big, bigger corporate games. Frankly, indie games should cost more, and you should always be giving money. If you're downloading games on itch, and stuff like give money to indie game designers but um like games are gonna cost money and if you like a game and you want to put money into it and you can afford to put money into it that's your choice like i'm i'm not gonna tell people how to spend their money but that's not the same as putting money into an open beta that started three days ago or whatever last week uh by the time this episode's out and yeah 
So what I will say is that there is a battle pass. That is the only thing that I'm looking at potentially spending money on because the it works a lot like Arena's battle pass. You know, if yeah. you, if you you have a free version as you level up and a paid version that's like ten dollars. For a lot of free to play games, a lot of the money as- aspect is just cosmetics. Uh, for for Apex, yeah. like I it yes, I can spend money to unlock characters faster um but i can also unlock them with in-game currency that i will earn just by playing and but otherwise like money in apex doesn't get you anything other than cosmetics and it has a lot and it does a really good job with those but like i don't know that's that's enough on this i i want this episode over (laughs) all right so so uh in lieu of final thoughts let's do a do we recommend and why and for what audiences so for me I would recommend to uh, Vorthoses who want to play as a planeswalker and enjoy uh, these kinds of action RPGs. Um, outside of the Zendikar bit, I, I enjoyed the gameplay pretty much uh, throughout the throughout the rest of the game. I, I would say go for it. You lit- literally the only thing you have to lose is time. If you're any bit curious, just try it out. Like, just try it out. I suspect most people are not going to have a good time. I'm not having a terribly good time. I mostly continued have continued playing it for the podcast. I am slight. I'm curious enough that I'll probably continue playing for at least a little bit. I ju- I will just want to see the Hummerins. Like, I I'm just curious about that. But that is my little freak hyperfixation. So uh, I I I'm you know I'm I'm Hummerids Georg in this situation. Hummerids George. Uh, <laughs> skewing statistics. I don't think most people are going to like this game. Uh, I don't think it's great so far. Uh, and it's hard to... Do, like, I, I just... I don't know what you want me to say. It's an unfinished game. It's an open... It, it just entered open beta. This is an unfinished game. I don't know how I'm supposed to judge that. So, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's basically an early access. Like Lorelai said, it's open beta, so I'm not really going to put all of my eggs in this current basket. I will say that I really hope that they reconsider how they're doing additional classes, because there is a Demir class that's apparently available from boosters, but it is from a booster-type product, so you could spend a lot of money and still not get that class. So that would be super frustrating for me. I hope they do something where you can just get that class and you get maybe a booster, but you maybe pay, like, I'm not even sure I like paying for classes like that initially, but, you know, that's that's whatever. Um, that's If it's going to be free to play, I guess they have to make their money somehow, but that's not the way I would prefer that they do it, but whatever. There's a difference between paying for cosmetics and paying for content. Yeah. I like the, 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 the mana system or the card system, but it does need a lot of polish and the obviously the tutorial and whatnot needs to get better. But, you know, I'm not going to say that it's completely awful right now. I think, like everyone else said, you have nothing to lose but your time. But also, like, I think it's kind of fun. I think it's worth playing. Like, just try it out. I think that there's room for this to turn into a really fun ARPG. I think that there's like a a way for this to be really good and they're just not there yet. So like it's worth it to try it and then maybe come back once, you know, some patches have gone through and maybe they add a content update Uh, and maybe it'll be really good. I mean, like 
Carrie, you mentioned Destiny 2 earlier. That game was like universally panned when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of games like that that come out and are just awful. And then they get better after some content patches. So, like, I love you, that no could Man's happen. Guy. No Man's Sky. Yeah. That is just an excellent point, Chris. Yeah. Like, as a, these are the ratings as of right now, three days out of release. Three days, three days out of open beta release. Yeah. Open beta release. Because <laughs> I think that's like, that is the benefit of the doubt that people are giving this is that it is an open beta and they can still make a ton of changes to it to try to improve the systems before release. The thing I guess I'm most hesitant about is like, like you all said, you have nothing to lose but your time. But that's not true for Wizards. Like Wizards is making this as a licensed product for well they license this product um cryptic and the reception to this game sets the tone for further kind of expressions they would do that are not um as tied to cards so not exactly fumbling this but having such a major misstep on your beta release is not (laughs) not great and i just don't like Magic as an IP is great for the game itself. Magic as a fantasy IP is not exceptional. And so this really, really needed to be a great ARPG in order to carry the weight of Magic's IP along with it. And right now it just seems to be not exceptional. Like, And that's kind of my fear is that this doesn't get resolved as quickly and then we don't get any more games like this. And I think people want more games like this is the end goal. Yeah, I think a lot of Magic players really want more games like this. And D&D has games all over the spectrum. There are D&D games out there right now that are excellent, and there are D&D games out there right now that are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And, And they can be all over the spectrum because they have that brand recognition and are all over the place. But like I said, this is the first game of that's like an action game in magic in like what 15 or 20 years right so i i'm i'm calling the end of this episode and with a statement that like right now if you want to play unfinished games you can play this or you can go play Baldur's gate 3 and i have a clear recommendation there and it's go play Baldur's gate 3 yeah i just got a new computer that can actually play it and that game is so good <laughs> it's so fun that's the reality that the, that magic legends is existing in and um if you try it out, great. If you don't, I I really don't care what you do, uh, personally. If you like it, more power to you. If you don't like it, great. Uh, live your life. But regardless whether you play or not, and whether you pay or not, if you still have some monies that you want to <laughs> you can head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast and help support uh, this podcast and... Uh, all these episodes that we make where we tell you about things that are happening in the world of Vorthoses. Because we are apparently filthy capitalists. Uh, we're not really. But we exist in a world where capitalism exists and it costs money to run the show. And we do put labor into this. And got three years though. Like, I love the show and I love y'all co-hosts here. Um, also, shout out to Ashley who's not on the show anymore. You are also great. But, uh, you know, we have wonderful fans. We have a wonderful Discord that you can get access to by uh, supporting us on Patreon, where we do have a section to talk about Magic Legends. Uh, There is also a separate Magic Legends server that we've set up, uh, not linked to the podcast, but you can find the link to that server from our server. 
because Discord is a mess sometimes. Very excited for Microsoft to see what Microsoft does with it. Not. But um, we have a wonderful community with a lot of wonderful folks, and we'd love for you to be part of that. Yeah, our our podcast is free to play, but you do have to pay to win if winning is a success. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.